Hello everyone! Marijke from the future checking in with you because I just wanted to let you know a few things about today's podcast episode. Back when Jordan and I recorded this, it was the beginning of June. But because we talked so, so much and we really, really clicked and really liked talking with each other about books, it actually took us like a longer time to record our episode because we had so much to talk about. And then we did not have time at the beginning of June to record the episode that we wanted to air on her podcast. So now we finally made it. We found a date where we could record the second part and it will be up on Jordan's channel in August. But the first part can be listened to right here, right now. I just wanted to let you know that it was recorded like two months ago. So the books that we talked about and like the status of reading that we've been at at the beginning of June is slightly different from where we are now, of course, two months later. For example, through my conversation with Jordan, I got so hyped to really push through and read all the Jane Austen books. Back when I talked with her, I was like right in the middle of Emma. And right now I finished Emma, I finished Mansfield Park, I finished Northanger Abbey and I finished Pride and Prejudice. So just two more to go. So going strong, just wanted to let you know. And now I will hand over to back in June, Marika and Jordan to guide you through this episode. Bye bye. Hello everyone and welcome to the Chart of a Library podcast, where we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Guys, for the first time on my podcast, I have a guest that has a very similar hobby to me. Today I'm talking with another book lover and also former book blogger from the UK and her name is Jordan from the Books to Last podcast. Jordan, why don't you introduce yourself and what you usually do on your podcast? Hello, my name's Jordan and I'm uh, from the Books to Last podcast um, where every week, well, every two weeks, we have a guest on the podcast um, who loves reading and they are challenged to pick the only five books that they can take with them when cast away to a mystery remote location. Um, it's usually very difficult um, and uh, we have a lot of fun just talking about their favorite books and uh, why they chose those ones. Cool. For everyone, I will also be on Jordan's next episode and I will talk about the five books that I would take with me. To be honest, I, I have thought about the five that I would take, but I have not thought about what remote location it could be because it does not have to be a deserted island. It could be anywhere. I don't know where I would like to be stranded totally alone only with my books. Maybe I should think about that before we record that episode. But yeah, so if you want to hear more about that, check out Jordan's episode. But what are we going to talk about today on here? As you know, usually it is my mission on the podcast as an avid reader to help you find your perfect next read. So usually what I do is I either speak to authors or I speak with people who do not Yeah, who have not found the perfect book that transports them back into this whole reading situation where they just want to continue reading. So this is actually very, very special because I'm for the first time talking with someone who has been reading just as much as I 
did. So what we want to do today is that we talk about how our year has been so far. Because what every big reader usually does is that the beginning of the year, they set themselves a goal of, I don't know, 50 books. If you're feeling very well that year, maybe 100 books, I don't know, whatever number you choose. Or also potentially some prompts, like some, some new genre or some new author that you want to read more. So we want to recap how our year 2021 has been so far. And yeah, Jordan, why don't you want to introduce us to how your reading plans were? What what were your plans for 2021? I mean, 2020 was a crazy year, so potentially that has impacted how your outlook changed on 2021 reading-wise. Yeah, definitely. 2020 was a difficult year and um, I had a lot of books that I wanted to read last year and I got off to like quite a good start. Um, I had a kind of exciting beginning to the year so I um, got married and we went away and I was sort of in a really good reading space and then we got home and the world fell apart so um, and as it usually happens uh, my reading did with it because when I'm it, I think reading is something I do usually when I'm happy um, uh, more so than anything and when I feel like all of my reserves are going into making sure I'm just you know doing the normal stuff um, I never really find the time for reading and it's a shame really because it probably would help me a lot better a lot more but um, yeah last year because I ended up working the whole year and I just felt so stressed didn't get to read that much mm -hmm. um, so I only read about 16 books last year which was to be fair more than some but um, a lot less than what I usually read um, and I found I was tend to, I tended to gravitate towards, I suppose, happier books. So um, this year I decided that I wanted to try and pick up reading because um, we kind of got to the beginning of 2021 and things didn't look necessarily as different as we wanted them to. So <laughs> I just decided that I didn't want to wait for better um, times to start reading again. So I decided to dive straight into it. I set a pretty conservative goal of um you just 17 because i thought if i could just do one more than last year then it will be better <laughs> but with the idea in mind that i was probably going to do a lot more than that and looking at how far along i'm sort of in that already that's probably going to be the case <laughs> um so yeah i wanted to just read any books uh, preferably the ones on my shelves i <laughs> um was trying to so for all I was not reading last year I was buying books non-stop because every time I <laughs> every time I felt because I had been on a book buying ban for quite well behaved book buying ban for probably a year and a half at that point because I had enough books that I hadn't read and then um come March for some reason every time I felt um down I would do one of two things I would go and buy more books or I would start planning for Christmas no matter what time of the year it was um, because they were the only two things that cheered me up so I accumulated a lot of books that I did not read last year so I my goals were a read more books than last year preferably and to read the books that I owned as opposed to buying more if possible <laughs> 
these are just like you are speaking from my soul because I had like a somewhat similar experience last year. First of all, for everyone, I mean, I am speaking with Jordan and I can see the wonderful bookshelves that she has behind her. So she is one of the podcasters who has like a whole wall of shelves filled just with books behind her. I don't have quite that luxury. I've got a bookshelf that is not as big as yours. But the good thing is when I moved together with my fiance, we sort of like we were torn between, okay, do I get a little bit more space for the books or do we get a bigger couch? And <laughs> For comfort reasons, we agreed that we go for the bigger couch. But we also have a glass cabinet. And up until, I don't know, maybe three months ago, the glass cabinet was mostly filled with, I don't know, like figurines from gaming and stuff. And then we rearranged things in our apartment. And now I annexed more parts of the glass cabinet for my books so I can I can start to fill up more space with books yeah but I can I can totally understand that buying books definitely it gives you the happy feelings that we've all been craving in 2020 definitely and it didn't help that I discovered a bookstore that I'd never heard of before um, right around this time called uh, Goldsboro Books and it's uh, an independent bookshop in London that I've never been to um, even though we haven't so my company that I work for has an office in London so when I next have to go down there I am setting aside time at lunchtime to go to this bookstore but um, I they do the most gorgeous editions of just so many amazing books and they've really been my downfall this last 12 months um, I often joke because I I do a lot of video calls for work and that sort of thing. I often joke that, um, so I actually, so I have three big ones and then a small one that fills the gap at the end. The third big one and the small one, they weren't here before 2020. Oh. <laughs> um, they, uh, they were new additions uh, once Ikea reopened. <laughs> um, but I know I'm very lucky to have this space. So we, um, we have a very small spare room that we turn into a, a little office for when the two of us were working from home. And um, yes, I, the entire wall gets to be dominated by shelves <laughs> but uh yes I did originally just have the two and uh, my husband is shocked because <laughs> mm -hmm. I managed to hide a lot of the book deliveries from him last year because he was working out of the house a lot so I was working from home and he was he was out a lot and um I would just get the deliveries and then they'd go on my shelf and I was like well I'd never notice because he doesn't look at the shelves um and then I went to him one day and I said oh we need to go to Ikea when it reopens because I need another bookshelf and he's like why would you possibly need another bookshelf you've not had any new books <laughs> hmm. and um mm -hmm. I had to admit some things <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's uh, like for me, it has been sort of the same. I'm working from home. I have been working from home for the past, I don't know, nine months consecutively. Actually, yesterday was the first day that I went back to the office. It was like a class reunion to see some of my co-workers again. It was actually pretty cool. Oh, But yeah. Uh, yeah, my 2020 was actually also very impacted by the fact that I was working at home because I usually have quite a long commute to work and I go by train. So usually what I do is that I either read or I listen to an audiobook. Or I watch some booktube videos, which is not good for reading because then you just consume content. But generally, because my commute time was suddenly gone. And you know, when you're at home, 
I don't know, in the morning before you start working, you're not like, yeah, I'm going to sit down now for, I don't know, an hour, however long it took me to go to work with the train. And I will just uh, sit down here and read because what, what do you do? You're like, oh, the kitchen is not as clean as I want it to be. Let's clean the kitchen. <laughs> There's some dust over there. <laughs> let's, let's clean that surface. Yes. Yeah, so, so because you're doing so many different things or sometimes you're just like, I don't want to read. I want to watch another YouTube video or I don't know, whatever, or listen to another podcast, maybe. So yeah, I, I definitely felt how that impacted my reading but I did better than I thought I would so last year was still okay reading wise but I could definitely see that it was especially from the pages read it was not that my my overall books that I read or that were tracked by Goodreads I mean if you can count graphic novels as books that's a totally different uh, <laughs> totally different discussion you absolutely can't graphic novels and books and I I'm the exact same I can be by train to work and it takes me you know a, an hour maybe sometimes a little over mm. if the train is late which they often are here in the yeah. UK um, <laughs> and yeah I I used to use that time same as you for books audiobooks or podcasts and then it was like my me time and then all of a sudden my me time was gone and I would be sat ready to start work an hour before I needed to And I would just go, well, I may as well just go and work because I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> But that also explains because, uh, of course, as every good book podcaster, book YouTuber, etc. does before they do a collaboration, they stalk the other person's Goodreads account. <laughs> And when I saw that you had 17 books as your goal for 2021, I was like, that's an odd number. I don't know where that is coming from. So that's good that you answered that question because I actually had that question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was very specifically dictated from last year's reading. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get closer to a different number um, this this year. But I just just more than last year would be make, would make me happy. <laughs> That's definitely a good mindset. For me, I had a little higher plans than last year. What I wanted to do, and I also talked about this in like a very very old I think it's fun five months old or something an old podcast episode that I wanted to read at least 55 books and what I also wanted to do is that I open the genres more that I usually read because I usually tend to gravitate towards fantasy and science fiction but what I also wanted to do is that I read more Asian translated works and I also had three like top main three authors that I wanted to read and I also said that on the last episode and I will say it now these three authors are all male and I thought that maybe some people would be like you have to read more female authors and I'm like 99% of the books that I read now are from female authors <laughs> I need some variety in another yeah. sense so Definitely. the three authors that I had were Brandon Sanderson Haruki Murakami and Stephen King as a little challenge because I'm a huge chicken <laughs> and yeah. I wanted to see because I had this so at the beginning of the year when I thought about doing my podcast and I was uh, talking with my fiance and stuff and especially when a few episodes ago I interviewed an author who is a horror suspense thriller author and in like in the 
in the making of that episode, I talked with my fiance and he was like, it's hard. And it's also like for me as a reader, it's also hard to grasp like the concept that someone can create such a scary environment by writing that people are actually afraid while reading the book. I can understand that when someone is reading it to you or when they are adding sound effects in the audiobook and stuff, that that can be very scary. But just reading it, I was not like, I was very interested how that works. <laughs> But so far I have, I, I started very, yeah, very smoothly. And I went more with a like sci-fi oriented. It's It still has got horror elements, but it's, like a nice transition and I didn't find it to be very scary. I don't know if uh, I, if I've become numb over the years, I don't know. But at least this, this first book was uh, totally fine. So I'm confident that I can read more Stephen King and I'm slowly working towards potentially at some point reading it which is two challenges because first it's a brick of a book for everyone who has never had it in their hands. It's, it's giant. I think it's over 1000 pages and it has a clown and clowns to me are the scariest thing on this earth. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I was always freaked out by them. Also like in circuses when I was a little kid, clowns, no, no, they, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big horror fan myself. I do. It's funny. I tend to stick to uh, sci-fi and fantasy, but I've not really read a lot of that this year so far, um, because that tends to be my preferred genre. But I don't tend to read horror, um, mainly because also I I don't do I don't do scary movies. I don't do any of that sort of thing. I love like roller coasters, but I don't do horror and gruesome. I just it's just it's. It's part of, it's one of those things, it's like, oh, I read things, I always say this, so I read books to sort of, you know, escape and enjoy them. I don't want to be scared. And then I sort of think back to some of the books that I've read and have like made me cry because of emotional trauma, because characters being taken away. And I think, do you really read to be happy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, you actually just reminded me, I added a little bit of a goal for my reading this year um, and it was a late one. It was, it's quite a recent one. So um, we discussed, discussed briefly before, I uh, really enjoy the Professor Layton puzzle games on Nintendo DS. And I recently found out that they did manga for Professor Layton. Ooh. So they did four, they've released four books, like four volumes of manga for Professor Layton, but none of them are in English. They never printed them in English. Um, and I was going through the languages that they have been printed in and they have actually been printed in German. Now, um, the English education system is terrible for teaching languages. So whilst I did study German for five years, I was already too old for it to take good root in my mind if I didn't carry it on afterwards. So my, my German is not good <laughs> and I definitely can't speak it. I can understand some vocabulary when seeing it written down. Um, but... <laughs> I am I've challenged myself because I so desperately want to read these Professor Layton manga books that um, that's probably my best bet because I was terrible at French I was terrible at Spanish um, <laughs> I'm not even going to entertain the idea of reading them in Japanese because I don't see that happening um, <laughs> but German was I found it easier at school because I felt like the the pronunciation um, the like the tones you use for pronunciation is closer to the the tones in English um my voice isn't lyrical enough to like 
speak French. I just can't. I can't <laughs> pronounce the words. But um, I, I just that's it was a goal that I've added later on, and I've managed to find three of the four books on the internet um, because they're all out of print as well. So. <laughs> Yes, that was uh, a belated goal. And I did think if they're manga, there's going to not be a lot of writing. So it might be a good entry into trying to read in other languages. <laughs> that is such a cool goal. Like for me, I also have like a li little language goal uh, because I used to live in China for six months. So I learned Chinese. But of course, when do you use it? When you're in Germany, you hardly ever do. I, I try my best to keep it up. But of course, if you're living in China, you're totally immersed in the language and you learn it so much better. So what I've been doing now is that I'm very, very slowly making my way through The Secret Garden, which is a classic for everyone who hasn't heard of it. And they have adapted it into very, very simple Chinese character writing so that people on my language level can read it. And because it's so, I think it is because it's so simplified. I've never read The Secret Garden in its original and it has a horrible start. Like at least in this simplified version, I was like, this is so horrible. The mother is so horrible. The poor child, what are they doing? <laughs> so this is my, my personal goal to try to get through it in Chinese and then potentially read the English version to see whether it really starts out that dark or whether it was just <laughs> due to the simplification of the words. Oh, yeah. dear. I've not read The Secret Garden, but I saw the on-screen adaption when I was very young. And I don't remember it being a very happy story. I, I <laughs> So maybe, maybe it's spot on, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that could definitely be... The funny thing is, I did not know that you also learned German. I was actually a little bit worried uh, because what we will hear on your episode is that the last book that I have with me on my list of books to bring to the deserted location is actually one that was never translated into English. And I extra like I, I translated a synopsis and, and everything for, and so that I can give people a good overview of what this book is about because I love it so much. But no one outside of the German language can read it, unfortunately. <laughs> But hey, may, maybe, maybe one day. Yeah, <laughs> it, I... it's a good recommendation. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, so in sort of English schools, like I said, they don't start teaching languages until you go to secondary school. So you're usually about 11, which mm -hmm. um, as proven by literally probably almost every country in Europe, it's really better if you start teaching children foreign languages from like the age of four, because that's when they remember them. Um, but um we don't start till we're like uh, 11 and then most schools just do french um but a lot of schools will do french german and then sometimes spanish because um i think they gravitate towards i suppose quite widely spoken languages geographically close to us as a country um i'm guessing that's the that's the reason <laughs> um but uh yeah i was like i, said, I always preferred german i had a I had a funny German teacher, so I liked him, which helped. And um, yeah, I my French was terrible. It was re I mean, and I would love to be able to read in French because uh, one of my favorite authors is Alexander Dumas, and I would mm. love to like read his books in the original 
text, but that might be a goal that I have to set for future when I have more time. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to get a language. I want to at least be fluent in a second language because it's an absolute travesty that that is just not something that is what we just it's just people yeah it's just not something that is done over here really i'm sure there's many very talented english people who speak multiple languages but it is not the norm by any stretch of the imagination i can i can totally imagine that when i was god how old was i 15 yeah i think when i was 15 because i was in a bilingual school program and we also had a I think it was biology, geography, and history we had in English. And we did a school exchange, class exchange, with another class in Oxford. So when they came to Germany, of course, for us, it was so much easier to like orient ourselves in the UK. But when they came to Germany, it I, I think also when you meet someone on the street, of course, they were never alone. I mean, they were 15 too. So you don't let them run around <laughs> freely all too much because probably they get lost because they can't read any of the signs or understand where they have to go but in in general in germany when you like i think you can walk to people on the street and ask them in english and probably like even if they don't know someone in a 10 meter radius will probably know enough english to help you out But yeah, I can, I can imagine that when you go to a country, I had the same experience in China. Like when I go to a country where, for example, in 2019, we went to the US and it was super easy to get around because we, apart from maybe a few dialect things, <laughs> we understood pretty much everything. But when I went to China and you've got the added, uh, the added challenge of the Chinese characters, <laughs> you're standing in front of a sign and you're like, wow, I wonder what this means. <laughs> and then you look inside the shop and you see a lot of sunglasses and you're like, ah, okay, I can probably buy sunglasses here. But yeah, it's, it's difficult. And also when it's not the added bonus of having another written language still if you, if you don't know the language it's super hard to get around in the country so yeah i can totally understand where the wish comes from and i think there's also something very special if you are able to read a book in its original language because i think there is so much more that comes across and i know that one of my goals is to read more asian translated works But this is just because I've got so many like Japanese and Korean authors that I want to get into and also Chinese ones, because to be honest, everything that is like above early middle grade end of primary school reading is probably too much for me. I have to at least for the point now I have to read the translated works, but so often I'm like, Oh, it would be probably so much better if I could just read it in the original. And this is also why I started to read so much in English. Because when I grew up, the the, the bookstores here, it was okay. Like they got the German translations of the English books. But back then it was, you know, like a year, two years later. And then the overall like hype had sort of died like unless you're harry potter of course then you get translated on the same day as in the uk but yeah (laughs) Yeah. other than that it was a pretty pretty much of a delay it's much better now they hit the stores very quickly but still 
yeah, when you've got the possibility to read it in the original. Yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, um, translations as well definitely vary. So I, I do on occasion read um, some fiction that uh, was not originally written in English and then transferred to English. And you can definitely tell when a translation's maybe not been done as well because it really comes through. I mean, one example of a book that was really well translated is I read a series called the Ascension series by Victor Dixon, and that was originally French. And then it got translated to English and republished in um, a few years after it had been out. And um, the translation and that was so fantastic. I didn't actually realize it was translated until I sort of did a bit more digging around because I they were some books that I got review copies of um, years like years ago and um, for the English adaption. And I think when I revisited them, the only sort of indicator that maybe it wasn't originally written in English is that um, there was a lot of exclamation points where mm. I didn't necessarily, it could just be the author's writing style, but I didn't necessarily feel that the exclamation points were there for a reason. It just kind of felt like everybody was very overexcited about everything they were saying. <laughs> and um, it was it's like the only thing that showed, and I don't even necessarily think that's to do with the translation, that might just be to do with the formatting. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I just remember that being the only thing that kind of struck off. It kind of just made all of the bad guys seem like Disney villains and that sort of thing. But like, it was still an excellent book. <laughs> it was just kind of, just a funny quirk but um yeah a good or bad translation kind of makes or breaks a book yeah. so it, it can be nice to be able to to try and read it in the original but um it's very easy for me to say that with <laughs> with access to the, the american and uk publishing industry <laughs> um yeah that definitely is true i I remember, especially like I said, with the Asian works, so many times I'm I'm reading over a paragraph and I read it and I stumble upon it and I'm like, I'm very sure there's a second meaning in the original language to this that just is not possible to come across in the translation. And I always find it so, yeah, <laughs> really not so nice that so much gets lost sometimes. But it's not really due to the translation, but just because of the limitation of the language. Mm. I sometimes have that, like, I, what I don't do that often is that I read an English book and then I read the German translation. I hardly ever do that. I just sometimes do that when I want to recommend someone a book who is usually reading in German and I know I have read it in English but I can't really say whether the writing in German is any good that's the only time when I might be doing that in a bookstore just flip through and yeah. see whether it comes somewhat close to the original but what I always find very funny is that when the translation is done you've in from English to German for example you've got to decide do I want to stick true to the author's writing style or do I want it to adapt it so that it matches more the German way of structuring sentences I yeah. sometimes <laughs> have that when uh, because in the English language your sentences are usually much shorter in Germany we've got so many rules to stack sentence into sentence and to add another yeah. word and to put another sentence at the back so our sentences are like if you really want to like, of course like they're different 
different styles in German, but yeah, we've got the possibility, <laughs> so we tend to do that. Isn't it? It's yeah. like um, the verb has to go in a specific place. And the reason why I actually enjoy German so much is because there was a, there is a set of rules to German. And once you learn the rules, you can apply that pretty universally with like not a lot of... Um, Diff, like there's not a lot of exceptions which is really great because uh, the English language is full of exceptions to our rules that don't they're not really rules they're just sometimes they apply and sometimes they don't um so like yeah I completely get that because I mean the way I think the one thing that I always struggled with was remembering um the gendered because now yeah and stuff, that, yeah I always used to get those wrong um but to do with I suppose when you make something plural or past tense or present tense or if you're speaking in the future and then to do with the actual sentence structure english language doesn't actually adapt into that it's very different but um i i always really enjoyed i suppose especially with vocab like with vocabulary with german if once we'd gone past sort of i suppose three years of it we'd learned enough of it that if we came across a word that we didn't know it was usually built up of words that we did know and we could figure out what it meant because i just thought it's just very i mean i've spoken to american friends of mine and i think it's kind of funny that the words they have different words for things than we do in england and um it's usually just describing what it is so we'll call something the pavement and they call it the sidewalk because it's at the side and you walk on it um it's <laughs> and it's very like to the point that's what it's saying in germans like that but on another level because it's very much just like it is this so we are just going to take these three words that describe what it is and they're one word now <laughs> and i just think i just think it's great i think it makes so much more sense than the nonsense that english people speak <laughs> It's so funny because I think you're the first person that I actually meet face to face that says that they enjoyed the rules when learning German. Everyone else who tried to learn German, they are all like, there are so many rules. I can't remember all the rules, but you're right. Once you really remember all of them, it's okay. Like you can build sentences that people can understand. And concerning the, the words, I think one of my favorites um, because I had this conversation when I was uh, working in London for a few months and they had this example of a fridge, which is, of course, where you store your food so it doesn't get wasted. But in Germany, we call it the Kühlschrank, which is a cooling cupboard. Yeah, it's like which cold. is just spot it's on like, what it is like cold yeah <laughs> it's cold cupboard it's like yeah that's what it that exactly but yeah no i do think it's just yeah it's just good it's just i i like it because um and it's the same with the pronunciation like once you sort of learn how to pronounce certain sounds and you see them in a word even if you don't know the word you can read the word <laughs> And sometimes that even helps because a lot of the time, I mean, a lot of the time, the, I mean, a lot of German words are similar to English words that maybe mean something different, but similar. So I, I don't know. I just, I enjoyed it personally because to my brain, it made logical sense and I was happy with that. Whereas, yeah, any of the other languages, it just, it just didn't, it just didn't make the same sense to me, even though I know French has actually different different but they do have like rules with the way that yeah. their, their language is structured but i mean i went on a french exchange and i can tell you my french is 10 times worse than my german and my german is not very good so um <laughs> it was it was bad it was a rough 10 days 
<laughs> oh dear. Oh, but coming back to the books that we've read so far this year, were there any translated books in there? How many books have you read so far? Do you think that you will hit your goal of 17 books? So no translated works as yet. I am about to finish my 15th book yeah. of the year. So pretty close. I only need to read two books by the end of December to reach my goal, which I feel like I'm definitely <laughs> going to do. Um, now, I think one of the reasons I got, I've sort of, I suppose, read so many comparatively to next year is I actually read uh, pretty much the entire Bridgerton series um, ah. at the beginning of this year. <laughs> Um, which is not, it's not a series I'd ever heard of before the TV show. It's not something that I'd ever, ever even thought of reading, but my friends and family were all obsessed with Bridgerton TV show. So they said, you should watch it. And I said, okay. And then I heard there was books about it. And then I did a little bit of reading around it and I ended up just starting on the second book and I read all the way up to, I think it's like eight. Um, and I did enjoy them. They, so their Regency era romance novels, they're not Jane Austen. Um, they want to be Jane Austen, but they're not. Um, and I love Jane Austen. So that's not a, a criticism. Nothing will ever be Jane Austen to me, except for Jane Austen. Um, but um, I did enjoy them. They made me laugh. Uh, they kind of, I mean, they're such, I read them almost in a day each because they are very, very easy, quick reads. I would probably only maybe reread two of them because they, because in the style of romance novels, they work their way around a particular group. Um, I gravitate towards characters that I really like. Um, the ones that I'm not as fond on, I'm just a bit, I'm like, nah, I don't need to read them again. Um, but the, they form most of my reading. Um, I read a little bit of nonfiction at the beginning of the year, generally, because I've got a lot of like business and productivity and that sort of kind of books. Uh, so one of them was about nutrition and another one was about um, self-promotion because in my job, I need to get better at telling people that I'm good at my job because um, <laughs> I am, but I struggle with that. And um, there's a lot about sort of self-branding in there. And I actually think it's a really good book for anyone who does like a podcast or blogging or any of that sort of thing to read because it's just got really good advice about how you present yourself in different circles and how you basically sell yourself and what you do um so they're all quite useful and then i did read a couple of fantasy books and a graphic novel uh, which i do count as my reading because <laughs> i am an inclusive kind of reader audiobooks graphic novels regular books they all count as reading for me thank oh. you thank you yes definitely <laughs> oh and an audiobook so um the graphic novel was written by a friend of mine um it's jupiter jet and the forgotten radio it's the second volume in the jupiter jet series it's fantastic and everyone should read it um it's an all ages comic book um I about a superhero girl with a jetpack and it's in a sort of futuristic but also somehow 20s steampunk rocketeer type world it's just really it's just really fun it's just a fun read I love the characters in it so I was really happy to get my second volume of the book and yeah that was just really good one and the art's awesome as well 
Um, the audiobook was the second Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and it was narrated mm-hmm. by um, Martin Freeman. Uh, and he does. Aww. Oh, he's so good. I'm going to listen to all of the books as audiobooks <laughs> narrated by him now because he just does an amazing job with them. They're just great. Um, yeah, and then the two YA books I read were Six of Crows and Winter's Orbit, and I'm about to finish City of Brass to make that three. Oh, cool. Um, City of Brass is also on my TBR. <laughs> it's really good. It's So Six of Crows was a book that's taken me ages to get around to, and then a guest on the podcast just really sold me on it, and I hadn't read anything for maybe a week or two at that point because I'd been really busy. And I said, oh, you know what? That sounds exactly like what I want. Um, so I read it, and I just blew straight through it, and it was just really good. Um, Winter's Orbit took me a bit longer, but also a great, fun read. Um, that's very sci-fi, royalty, political intrigue, that sort of thing. Uh, Six of Crows, for anyone who doesn't know, although it's quite well known, is a like, YA fantasy heist book. And then, yeah, City of Brass. I, I'm i like 10% off finishing it. And it's, it's really, really, really good. Um, I started reading it as a buddy read for a book club that I joined last month, but last month was so busy and I just, um, I'm very tired at the moment for sort of like a lot of reasons, but I was essentially just waking up, working for as long as I could and then just going to sleep because that's all I could do. So yeah, again, reading struggled with, I I think I'm going to go back to the office purely to reclaim my my reading time on the train. Hello everyone, editing Marike checking in again because I just realized that this episode will be very, very long if I do not cut it in half. I think it would be like one and a half hours long and I think that's probably a little bit too much. So you can stay tuned for the next episode where you will hear the second part of Jordan's and my reading journey of 2021. I really hope you enjoyed our collaboration so far and... Yeah, I hope you have a lovely weekend and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.